Well, good morning. It's good to be with you today to worship the Lord. We're in the study of the book of Acts. If you have your Bibles, we're in Acts chapter 6 today. My name is Danny Forshe, the pastor at Great Hills Baptist Church. And before we read the text or share a message with you today, I want to lead us in a word of prayer. Uh, just so much to be thankful to God for and also so much to be uh, praying for, uh, for our nation, for our leaders, for revival in our land. Also, the last Sunday of every month, that would be today, right? The 29th. We take up a, what we call a benevolence offering, and we have these buckets, these five-gallon buckets spread throughout the uh, sanctuary. Actually, they have the entrances and exits. And just praying this week, I'm going to ask you if you would just to put a little extra in there. We had just come across uh, just some real needs in our congregation. All these monies that we put in there today, they, they go toward helping people in our own church. And so we have some widows that need some help. We need, I just, I'm just going to ask you to put in maybe more than a dollar this time. And we'll bring in eight, nine hundred dollars every last Sunday of the month. But I'd love for us to bring in a couple of thousand dollars today. Can y'all help me do that? Did y'all bring any change? You want to run to the ATM right quick and go get, you, go get you a five like this or maybe a 20? Preacher said he's going to put a hundred in. I appreciate that. That's always very generous of him to do that. But no, seriously, if you would, before you leave, just drop in some money. Trust me on this. Um, we, we, need, we got some needs. We got some people that I really want to help out. So if you would help us do that, that would be great. All right, I want to pray with you. And as you bow your heads and close your eyes, let me just thank you again for being here. You're in the right place. Praise God. It's the right time. No accident, but God has you here for a reason. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time of worship, great songs, great music to lead us into the very presence of God in a corporate way. Thank you, Lord, that you are omnipresent. You're everywhere at all times, but Lord, at times you are present to bless, and we receive that. We receive that you're, you're here to bless us, to speak to us, God to challenge us, to convict us, and we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Lord, thank you for the, the core values that you've given us as a church. And I just want to pray these with you, church family. I know many of you know these. Let me, let me share these with you as we pray this prayer, asking God to help us be true and faithful to what he's called us to do. First of all, Lord, help us to be true and faithful in the accurate teaching and preaching of the scriptures. Thank you, Lord. That's core value number one at Great Hills Baptist Church in our small groups, our connect groups, our corporate worship our individual private devotions, Lord, is to focus on the Word of God. Help us to do that today. Lord, we also pray for families. We pray for the building up, the strength of marriages and families. Pray for Keith and Jackie Harmon. Uh, texting him this morning, he's excited about coming in a few weeks, leading us in a weekend of enrichment and blessing our church and our families. So we pray for core value number two, Lord, the strengthening of your church's family. Lord, we pray for the reaching of the lost, God, that we would evangelize and those that we lead to Christ, that we would disciple and we would help them grow in their faith so that they can get to the point that they can be parents, Lord, and grow in their faith. And church families, I'm praying, I'm also talking to you, there are many, many dozens in our church who are in the process of being discipled, discipled to the point. I've discipled personally dozens at Great Hills Baptist Church that I really am trusting God that they're going to go and replicate and multiply and more and more people are going to be growing deep in their relationship with the Lord. And then, Lord, we pray that our church would be core value number four, be a praying church. Lord, a church that uh, not just prays, but be a praying church. Lord, we pray today for the favor of God, the blessing of God upon us, 
upon this congregation, upon the individual needs that are here. Lord, I'm, I'm praying for Great Hills Baptist Church. Lord, I pray for us every day, multiple times throughout the day, God, that you, your hand of favor and prosperity and anointing and conviction would be upon us and that we would be that light, Lord, and that, that beacon that you've called us to be here in Austin, Texas. And finally, Lord, I pray for unity. I pray for the unity of the body of Christ. Lord, we know nothing severs the unity, the nerve of unity like gossip and complaining and murmuring and bickering and fussing. So, Lord, we just rebuke that in the name of Jesus. It has no place here. It's no part in our congregation. So, Holy Spirit of God, we thank you for being here with us today. Lord, we worship you, and we just thank you now that we get the privilege of preaching the Word of God. Lord, I finally pray for our nation, God. Lord, if I hear CNN and Fox one more time, I don't know what I'm going to do. Lord, I I have never seen a nation so absolutely bloodthirsty divided. And God, only you can save us, God. We're on a destructive path, God. I wouldn't be surprised, Lord, if we just do some really stupid things in our nation that bring upon the wrath and the punishment of a heavenly, awesome God. So, Lord, would you have mercy on us. God, please forgive us of our sins. God, heal our land. We, your people, God, we know that our hope is not in the White House. It's not in the Congress House. It's not in the government house. It's in your house. It's here, Lord, in your presence. So, Lord, we pray that the name of Christ would be exalted and we would live a life, Lord, not of bickering, not of bloodthirstiness and a bitter, cantankerous, Spirit, but Lord, we'd be filled with you, the Holy Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit, God, would be manifest in us, and there would be an abundance of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and meekness, Lord, and self-control. Lord, this is our prayer, and we believe it because we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Charles Tenley was his name. He was born... In 1851, both his parents were slaves. Now think about that for just a minute. He's born Berlin, Maryland, 1851. The Civil War starts in 1861. So he's going to be 10 years of age when the war between the states that took 520,000 American males, 520,000 American males died. So Charles Tenley's born to slaves. He taught himself to read when he was 17 years of age. He took a job at the Calvary Methodist Episcopal Church there in Philadelphia as a janitor. And so picture this in your mind's eye, 17-year-old young man. He's teaching himself to read and write. He feels God's call to preach, and so he goes to school at night to study theology, and by day, he is a janitor at this Calvary Methodist Episcopal Church there in Philadelphia. And then fast forward in his life, God just keeps blessing Charles Tenley. He has a real gift for teaching. He has a real gift for writing. And next thing you know, he's the pastor of the Calvary Methodist Episcopal Church The membership grows to 12,500 congregants that meet for worship under his leadership. He wrote a song entitled, I Will Overcome. And that song in the 1960s became the mantra for the civil rights movement, we shall overcome. But you may know him better for this song. Trials dark on every hand. 
and we cannot understand. Y'all know that song? All the ways that God would lead us to that blessed promised land. But he'll guide us with his eye and we'll follow till we die. And we'll understand it better by and by. He wrote that song. Trials dark on every hand. Don't, don't raise your hand, but anybody there today, anybody relate to that? Ominous clouds, difficulty. You say, Brother Danny, trouble puts it mildly. I think about Charles Tenley as he wrote those songs, those precious words, trials, they're dark on every hand. And we can't really understand all the ways that God leads his people to the blessed promised land. But God does guide us with his eye. We'll understand it better by and by when the morning comes. So Acts chapter 6 tells the story, really the biography of a man who was well acquainted with trials and, I mean, trouble and difficulty. The, I mean, he had the opposition of the religious elite. He had so much going against him, but he had so much going for him. His name is Stephen. Do I have any Stephens or Stephanies at Great Hills Baptist Church? Anybody named Stephen? Stephanie? All right. Got a few. Your name is a great name. It's the name Stephanos, and it means a crown, a crown of victory. And it couldn't be more appropriately named for this man, the first deacon chosen at the church there in Jerusalem. And this man, Stephen, so much is given about his life. And I think there's a reason why he's listed. Number one, the first of the seven deacons, and then the remainder of chapter six and on into chapter seven, these chapters are dedicated to the life, the ministry, the martyrdom of Stephanos whose name means crown. So as we read the text today, I, I just want to bring you in to a couple things. Number one, I want to bring you into a biographical study. What a blessing, what a joy it is for us to be able to unpack the scriptures, to understand these men and these women who are listed in the word of God. They're there, their stories are there for not just our education, right? Not just so that we can learn, but that we can grow and that we can emulate them and imitate the good, praiseworthy, stellar qualities of their life. And so Stephen is one of them. Man, you're talking about trials, dark on every hand. Woo! I mean, Stephen faced opposition so much so that the religious leaders will eventually kill him because of his love for Christ. Really, the same things that you and I believe today in 2019 were the things that Stephen believed, and it cost him his life. But today, we're going to look at him as a model for when trouble comes, here's what, here's what we ought to do. Now, Stephen, full of faith, pleris is the Greek word. It means to be overflowing, bountiful. He's full of faith, which is an interesting word in the Greek. It's the Greek word charis, not pistis. Charis oftentimes is translated as grace. And so you could translate this word as a winsomeness about him. Are you with me? A winsomeness, full of faith, full of grace, and he's full of dunamis, power. Stephen, the first deacon, is full, saturated, overflowing with this winsome kindness, this grace, this faith, and this power. And he did, which is the imperfect tense in the Greek New Testament. That's interesting because... We just look at it, oh, he did, that's nice. But did is an imperfect tense verb, which means continual action in past time. So he kept on continually doing great, which is the Greek word megale, which we get mega. He did, he kept on doing great wonders. 
and signs among the people. Then, oh man, then, here comes trouble. Y'all ready for trouble? So I thought everything was good with Stephen. I thought that if I loved God and I served God and I was full of faith and the Holy Spirit of wisdom, that somehow God would supernaturally protect me from every trouble whatsoever. What Bible have you been reading? I mean, that is, that's false. That's a false gospel. Because Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So get this, God, who's overall allows vicissitude and trouble and trial to come into our lives, even as the people of God, so that he can shape us and mold us to be the people he wants us to be so that we can shine brightly for the gospel of God. Then there arose, now, this does not mean arise out of your seat, like I'm gonna go get up and go get a drink of water. This Greek word arose means arise for trouble. It means to stir the pot. There arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen. We'll talk about these guys in a moment. Cyrenians and Alexandrians are both, by the way, cities in North Africa. And those from Cilicia and Asia, by the way, is Asia Minor. Cilicia is the capital city of Tarsus. And guess who is from Tarsus? Anybody? Paul. Isn't that interesting? Could it be? that Paul is there. Could it be that Saul the Pharisee is part of the freedmen in the synagogue about to analyze and debate Stephen? We, we don't know, that is, that is an argument from conjecture, but we do know that Paul is from Tarsus and they disputed with Stephen in church. They were in the synagogue and they were having an argument. And this means to dispute in such a way that you analyze and you listen and then you give a rebuttal. And, and, and listen, it was not your typical church, right? They're not going to sing some songs and read the Torah and then everybody go on their way. No, a synagogue worship was supposed to sing songs and to read the Torah and to pray and then they leave. But I mean, something broke out and they started arguing with one another and there was this debate between Stephen on the one hand and the whole synagogue of the freedmen on the other hand. But guess who won the argument? They were not able to resist. Earlier it says that Stephen was 6'3", 6'5", 6'8", said he had, a, he had a couplet of three. He was full of faith, full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit, full of power. Here it is, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he, Stephen, spoke. So if you can't beat them, they're not gonna join them, they're gonna go stealthily is this word. They're going to go, they're going to hit below the belt. They're going to do whatever they can because they're so angry that this guy is beating them in this debate because he's full of the Holy Spirit. They're not. And so he, they're, they're just going to do everything in their power to silence this guy, even if we have to kill him. Then they upobalo, under, throw under. What that word literally means to throw under. They secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words. Now watch this, Great Hills, watch this, interesting. Not against God and Moses, but against Moses and God. They, you see what I'm saying? Anytime you put anybody or anything before God, it's gonna to lead to trouble. 
I know it's just a little nuance, but I think there's really something there. He speaks against Moses uh, and, and God too, but Moses, he's speaking against Moses. And they stirred up the people. You know how you stir up people? You speak. Y'all okay? I'm sorry, I feel like I've neglected y'all over here. This part of the church is growing. We're, y'all are just, your, your numbers are growing over here. Do you know how to stir up a pot? You use your lips and your tongue. Hey, did you hear about You don't take a stick and just stir it up and hit people over here. You just speak. Sticks and stones may break my bones and words, they kill me. Okay, and they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes. Oh, watch this. Now you've got the elders, the people and the scribes. Now, now this is getting serious. Now it's, it's evolved, it's morphed to the Sanhedrin. Remember those people? The Sanhedrin, the people who falsely tried and they accused Jesus and they murdered Jesus and then they beat the apostles in Acts 540. Here they are, they are reconvening. We hear there's a problem. One of those stinking deacons at the First Baptist Church over there in Jerusalem, they're causing some problem. We need to silence it. So they seized him. Now you don't seize people with words. You know what you seize them with? Let me speak to y'all for just a minute. I don't want you to feel neglected over here on the side. To seize means to lay hands on, right? To grab Stephen. So they've gossiped about him, and now they've laid hands on him, and they brought him to, in the Greek, it literally says Sanhedrin, the council. They're not done, unfortunately. They also set up these pseudo-false witnesses who said, this man does not cease, and they're talking about Stephen, the good deacon, really? Stephen goes around constantly blaspheming the holy place, the temple, and the law. Oh my word, come on, people. Stephen would never do that. He's too busy talking about Jesus and how he loves Jesus and how Jesus loves everybody else. And they said, no, 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 Stephen, when you're not looking, he is blaspheming Moses and God and the temple and the law. What are we gonna do with this guy? For we have heard him say, oh, here it comes, that this, y'all with me today, the contempt, the vitriol, do you hear it? This, not Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the savior of the world. No, no, no. This Jesus from Nazareth. Y'all know what Nazareth was? A podunk nothing. It was a nothing, nobody kind of town that Jesus, yeah, yeah, right. He's going to destroy this place. Now, Great Hills, when we talk about place, we're talking about the temple. Now that's big news, right? The temple there in Jerusalem. We'll talk more about Templeology 101 in just a minute, but to get it right now, this is the place. And we heard that Jesus is gonna change the customs which Moses, Moses, He gave us the law and the commandments. This guy, Jesus, has filled Stephen with this crazy doctrine, and now we're hearing that our very lives are at stake. Our temple's gonna be taken. Watch this. Our money is gonna be taken. Now, that's the big deal. Underneath all this interpretation, I want you to get the real root problem of the Sanhedrin. It's money, money, money. Money's a scary thing, isn't it? And all who sat in the council, the Sanhedrin, they looked steadfastly at him, 
What's the antecedent for him? Who are we talking about, church? It starts with an S. It's good. Say it a little bit louder. Stephen. When they saw him, they saw his face as the face of an angel. So let's go back in time and let's just kind of relive this life of this first, watch this, Christian martyr. Really, Stephen. In Acts chapter 7, will be stoned to death. But what led to his death was this deep abiding faith in Christ. So here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at trouble today. Trouble, 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 trouble. We got trouble, right? Stephen had trouble. You've got trouble. We all have trouble. Trouble comes oftentimes after great victories. Don't you think about it. That's point number one. Trouble comes, many times it comes after great victories. Trouble number two comes when you do the right thing, right? And then number three, trouble reveals the character that you really possess, whether you have a stellar angelic character or whether you have a demonic character. Trouble, squeeze somebody, squeeze them tight, and what's on the inside uh, will, will come out. All right, for first of all, let's look at this. Trouble number one, it oftentimes follows victory. Stephen, man, he's the first one. I mean, that, that's kind of heady stuff. I mean, Stephen's the first deacon chosen. Why was he chosen? Well, he was a man of, verse, verse 3 says he was a full man, full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. Verse 5, being a deacon, he was full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, our text today says he was full of faith and full of power. And so Stephen here, he... Man, God's anointing is on this man. I mean, good things are happening to his life. I imagine that, that Stephen would go home at night and say, honey, this is pretty remarkable. God's favor is on me. The church, they, honey, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know why in the world, but there was a meeting at the church and, 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 and everybody said, who's going to be our first deacon? And can you believe it? They said, me. They said me. I'm the first deacon of the, of the church, the, the leader who's supposed to help with the problem. And there was a problem, right? There was a problem between the widows, the Hebraic widows and the Hellenist widows. And Stephen got right in there in the midst of it. He helped ameliorate the situation. Next thing you know, the church is just blossoming, growing. Woo -hoo -hoo. That's the way it is, right? It's all awesome. It's good. And then trouble comes. Trouble comes to Stephen. He's doing great things for God. But now his bountiful boat of blessing is sailing right into the teeth of a hurricane force wind. If you're on the mountaintop and you're saying, man, good things are just happening to me and I just feel so blessed. I want to tell you something, that's wonderful. But just, just kind of gird up. It could be that God's preparing you. He's prepping you for some difficulty that you're going to have to, to deal with. And God doesn't make any mistakes. He trusts you with this trial. Did y'all hear that? God trusts you with this trial. He wants to shape you. He wants to make you even more like his son, Jesus. So number two, trouble comes when you do the right thing. Now, I want to walk you through verses 9 through 14 because there's a lot here. It's a very interesting text. It says in verse 9, there arose some from what was called the synagogue of the freedmen. Now, the synagogue has an interesting history. Let me, let me give you the history of the synagogue. The synagogue, the Greek, means to gather together. There was no synagogues before 586 B.C. What happened 
in 586 BC that changed the life of Judaism forever? Well, it was a man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army. They destroyed, they decimated Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. And so now the Jews have been deported all over the world. And those who remained in Jerusalem, they no longer have a temple. So they're going to create these miniature temples all over the world where the Jews can go and worship. And they called the place where we gather together a synagogue. Are you with me? Synagogue. Somebody estimated there was 480 synagogues in Jerusalem or in Israel alone. That's a lot of synagogues. Now, there was one synagogue called the Synagogue of the Freed Men. In 63 BC, Pompey, he captured a lot of Jews and he deported them all over the Roman Empire and he made them slaves. But since then, the slaves had been declared free, and so now they call themselves, you say, wow, this is really uh, creative, the freedmen. Well, that's it. That's the history behind the synagogue of the freedmen. Some people believe there are three different synagogues here mentioned in Acts chapter 6. I think there's just one. I think that it is a synagogue of people who were former slaves They're congregating together. They are from as far north, North Africa. They're from uh, Tarsus. Uh, They're from Asia Minor. And they've got a big contingent. They got a big group there in Jerusalem at the synagogue of the freedmen. And lo and behold, Stephen has the audacity to go there. He goes there and he shares, (laughs) he preaches the gospel in this Jewish synagogue And man, did trouble come his way. Well, what did he do that was so wrong? He didn't do anything wrong. He did what was right, and their dispute broke out. No doubt the debate centered on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It always does. It always does. I'm just thinking back in my mind, some of the debates, some public, some private. Most of the time, it seems to be with Islam, with Muslim men. For an hour, I just remembered this one. The Minister of Education for the whole country of Chad, Africa, and I debated Christianity. I didn't know I was going over there to debate the Minister of Education for the whole country. And I'm telling you what, guys, he tried to convert me to Islam as hard as I was trying to win him to Jesus. There were fireworks going on. It was an interesting, and the missionary just stood over there shaking his head. He was like, man, this is interesting. Then another time in Williamsburg, Virginia, Isam, and I had a conversation, and I gave Esau um, a booklet, a, a gospel tract, and I said, uh, here's this tract, and, and it will help you to become a follower of Jesus. He said, hold on, I am a follower of Jesus. I said, but I thought you were a Muslim. He said, I am a Muslim, but all good Muslims follow Jesus. I said, yeah, you follow him as a prophet, but I follow him as God. And he said, yeah, but we, we have to be nice to each other. I said, I'm not, I'm not being mean. I'm just, I'm just that's the, isn't that right, though? Well, yes, that's right. And then Andy Spencer, who's not here today, he hooked me up with an Uber driver. And for 45 minutes, we get debate the fine points of Christology. And he, Andy's really funny. If you go on a trip with him, he'll start the conversation. And then he'll say, okay, pastor, come on in here and help, help me out. He does that all the time. I love it, but he, he, he's not afraid to start it. And then I've had multiple debates and conversations, but never have I been, never I've been persecuted. Not, not like this. I mean, people were, I mean, they were angry with him. Again, no doubt, the, the debate, when it says in verse 9 that a dispute arose, no doubt it was over 
Christology, who Jesus was. Verse 10 says there was a clear winner, and it was Stephen, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. You know, Jesus told us he would help us. And whenever you find yourself in a situation where you are sharing the gospel and you're debating the fine points of Christology, you, you may say, well, I don't have a theology degree. Or I, listen, you don't need a theology degree. You have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit within you is far greater than the spirit that is within them who's denying that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and he's the son of God. In fact, Jesus said this, I will give you a mouth. I will give you wisdom, which all of your adversaries, they will not be able to contradict or resist. Thank you, Jesus. That's exactly what you did for Stephen, and that's what you do for us. Three things about what happened here when trouble came to Stephen, when he was doing all the right things. Number one, these people secretly induced. They could not defeat him fairly, so they hit below the belt, and they they prompted people to create these false accusations. There, there it is. They secretly induced men to say, we heard him say, y'all ever gotten that one before? Well, pastor, there's a lot of people in church who say that, I'm like, really? Well, actually, it's my husband and I, but actually there's a lot, there's a lot of people in the church who are upset about, well, who are they? Well, there's a lot of people who say, we heard him say that blasphemous words against Moses and against God. Interesting, in verse 11, there's a definite article before God. Did y'all catch that? We, we heard him say blasphemous things about Moses and about the real God. I don't know who he's talking about. I don't know what his Jesus stuff he's talking about, but we're talking about the God. And this guy, Stephen, is saying some strange things about God. We, we heard him say blasphemous things. And, and, and it reminded me of Jesus in Matthew 26. Y'all remember this when he was on trial in 59 through 61? Now the chief priests, the elders, and the council. Y'all ever saw that before? The council? Same group. Same group. Just a few months later with Stephen and the apostles. They sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they found none, even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward, and they said, this fellow, hear that, contempt, derogatory, this fellow, y'all, is, by the way, that's the Son of God, that's Jesus. This fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. Really? Did Jesus really say that? I'm going to destroy this temple and then I'm going to build it up in three days. That is not what he said because in John 2, 19 through 21, the truth is almost, all, I mean, it's always better. Jesus answered and said, destroy this temple. You with me? And in three days, I will raise it up. Watch this. Then the Jews said, it took us 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? Here's the answer. Boom. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Have you ever had your words twisted? Have you ever had people make up things about you and you're like, well, well I said that, but no, 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 not, not, not like that. No, no, you misunderstood me. No, 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 you said it. And it's, it's on, it's over. And that's what was happening. That's happened to Jesus. Now it's happening to Stephen. One, one writer put it this way, and it's, it's interesting when he says, it's falseness lay not so much in its wholesale fabrication, but in the subtle tweak 
and deadly misrepresentation of what was intended. Number two, or B, they stirred up the people. They, they stirred up the pot. When someone wants to sow seeds of misunderstanding and discord, they always use words. And these people were using words. And I just wondered, do you know what kind of damage and pain and havoc happen when words are used and misrepresentation and, and slander and, and just because you, you, you hate somebody and you, you just want to get even, you got to get back at them. So here's what I'm going to do. I don't care what it takes. Let's just lie if we have to because they deserve to pay. They offended me. They said this. How dare them take this, do this. This was, this was the spirit of the Pharisees and the scribes and the council, and they were just welling up with anger and jealousy. And so they stirred the pot. They stirred the people. Number three, they set up false witnesses. And this is what hurts the most. Verses 13 and 14, they, they got people literally to say, these words, this man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against the holy place and the law. Now, holy place, I, I mentioned templeology 101. Whenever it says holy place, let, let's talk about the temple for just a minute. The temple, first was Solomon's temple, right? And you have the destruction of that temple in 586, you have Zerubbabel and the gang, Ezra, Nehemiah. They come, rebuild Nehemiah, the wall, Ezra, the, the temple, Zerubbabel, the temple. And now that temple is going to fall in disarray. And then Herod's going to come in about 13 BC. He's going to start rebuilding the temple. He was still rebuilding the temple in AD 70 when Titus Flavius came in and destroyed Jerusalem. But watch this. The temple... Herod's temple in the Jews' day in the first century, it encompassed 35 acres. And it was the place, it was the happening place. That's where you went. And people from Pentecost and people from uh, the booths, you know, the tabernacles, they, they all come, these feasts, the Passover, and they just condescend thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. And the temple's big enough, man, it can accommodate them. And so they are proud of the temple. And so if you want to get somebody in hot water, you just tell them that they are against, you know, the temple. We were there a couple times in 08, first time, then 18, the last time. I took a couple pictures of, of really the only thing that remains of Herod's temple today. I want to show it to you on the screen. It's called the Western Wall, also known as what? The Wailing Wall. Do we have the Wailing Wall? I might wail and cry if we don't put it on there because we, we have these pictures if it pops up sometime, you see them? That's just a gray-headed preacher up there. I don't see, no, I don't see no, no wall. Well, trust me, there is a wall there. And it really is the only remaining thing that, that remains to this day, unless you go on the southern steps where those steps are actually preserved where Jesus taught. My point is, this is a, this is a very sacred place. 365 days a year. 24 hours a day. Today, the Jews pray at that temple, at that wailing wall, and they're praying for a new temple. And as excited as they were then, there are many people as equally as excited today. But here's something that, that got me. Any threat, F.F. Bruce says, real or imagined to the temple was not only an offense to their religious feelings. Hold on, Great Hills, here it comes. 
It was also a threat to their livelihood. The economical life of the city and its residents depended upon the temple. Mm. And so you have Stephen, who they say is contradicting the temple. He's contradicting the law. Now, I can see Stephen saying stuff like, <clears throat> you know, the sacrificial system is done away with. And Jesus has come. His blood is sufficient. It is enough. Oh, man, can you imagine? We say that today like, hallelujah, absolutely, that's the gospel. You say that back then, and you get into the economy of lambs and slaughtering. You get into the, you get into the economy of farming. You get in, I mean, you're getting into some trouble. And Stephen says, you don't have to do that anymore. Jesus shed his blood for us. And so the old is gone. The new has come. The ceremonial law, we can know. We have a new law, the love of Jesus Christ and his moral law. Isn't this exciting? And ooh, it wasn't exciting because this was such a fundamental change. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't handle it. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And I thought about a couple of examples. And I have one in my manuscript. You can have, but I got another one that I thought about over the weekend. When John chapter 8, when Jesus is helping the woman who's called in the act of adultery. You remember that? And, and the people, what do they have in their hands? They have a stone. Y'all know anybody like that? Mess up. Just mess up. And I'm going to pelt you with my religious stone. I was talking to a guy yesterday, I was witnessing to him. He goes, Baptist now. He said, I don't talk to many Baptists. Aren't y'all the hellfire and brimstone variety of Christianity? You know, like the, I said, I'm sorry. I said, unfortunately, we're known more for what we're against than what we're for. And I said, but we're, we're really about the gospel. At Great Hills, we're about the gospel of Jesus Christ, how he transforms lives. And so they had the stone and they're they ready to kill. And they even said, Jesus, they quoted the Bible. It says right here in Numbers, you, you commit adultery, meet the stone. What do you say? What do you say? Trap him, get him. And he's just, I mean, he just, he's brilliant. He said, well, he who's without sin cast the first stone and they all threw their stones down. You see what he's saying? I didn't come to destroy the law. I come to fulfill the law with a greater law of love. The last thing I want to share with you is this. Trouble oftentimes reveals what's really, what's really in the heart. All 71 of them comprised the Sanhedrin. They looked intently upon his face. Oh, 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 listen to this. You Bible theologues and scholars, there's only two people in the Bible who said to have the face of an angel that glowed. One of them's in the Old Testament, starts with an M, Moses. Isn't that good? And then the other one in Matthew 17 at the Mount of Transfiguration would be Jesus. Only two other people in the Bible. And here's Stephen, the third one, who said, his face was like the face of an angel, and they looked upon him steadfastly. I like what one writer says, by putting God's glory on Stephen's face, God showed his approval of the new covenant and its messenger. Stephen's noble character and extraordinary courage reflect his greatness. There was a lady whose true story, all three of her children died and at the funeral of the third child that died, she was very adamant. She said, Pastor, there is a song that I, I, it must be sung at my last child's funeral. It is the song, How Firm a Foundation. 
And the pastor said, well, yes, ma'am, absolutely. Tragedy has struck your home. We're so sorry. We'll accommodate you, do whatever we can to help. But I just want to ask you, why, why are you so adamant for how firm a foundation? And this is why. Let me read you the lyrics and then tell you why. The soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. She said, Pastor, each one of those nevers represents a child. So I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. That's God's promise to me. Even though I've lost my children, I know that God's grace is sufficient. He will not leave me in my greatest time of trouble. Sing the song. And they did. What faith. You know, when we're squeezed and when things go sideways, we're disappointed. We're offended. Things didn't turn out the way we wanted them to. And, and what we do next really reveals the Christianity that we claim within, right? And with Stephen, it, it was like the harder it got, the, the hotter the glow and the molten pot and the impurities are burned off. It's like this glow of gold comes out of Stephen when trouble comes. Man, I don't know. I don't know your trouble. I don't know what your trouble is, but, and I'm not going to mitigate it in any way, but it's probably not what his trouble was. Would you not agree? I mean... It's not like somebody's about to kill you. At least I don't think so, okay? But I, I really want you to, God's been, I mean, I don't know why God has been impressing me so hard for like two or three weeks now, and I can't get over what I'm about to say to y'all. And I, I don't know who this is for, but I think it's for somebody, or the Lord would not leave me alone to say this over and over again in my spirit. Just because times are hard, it doesn't mean you did something wrong. It could mean that you've done everything right. Does that help anybody at Great Hills Baptist? Am I just bumping my head up against the wall thinking I've lost my mind? I'm telling you repeatedly, Holy Spirit's impressing me over and over and over again. Say it, say it, say it. Just because times are hard, just because you have some difficulty does not mean you did something wrong. It could mean you've done everything right. You say, well, what in the world, Brother Danny? You got to help me with that. What in the world is God doing? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just know that he loves you. And 828 in Romans is amazing. All things work together for good. Then Romans 829, it's also in the Bible, says, and God conforms us to the image of his son. My, my, my. Isn't that great? But isn't it good to be on the journey? Isn't it good to know that we don't walk through our troubles alone? Isn't it awesome to know that God is shaping us, molding us, creating us more in the image of Christ so that the impurities are burned off? I don't know how your impurities are burned off, but I know how my impurities are burned off. It's burned off through the trial, through the fire, through the difficulty. And God just burns off that dross and he's conforming me more and more in the image of Christ. Hallelujah. We go to heaven and, and we, we go into the very presence of God. Awesome life. It's an awesome life. And I would just say to you, don't kick against it. Don't get mad at God. Let God be God. Just walk, let him walk with you through your trouble, through your sorrow, through your hardship, 
Because Jesus says, I will never, no, never, no, never forsake you. You bow your heads with me and close your eyes. I thank you for listening today. This is a heavy sermon. I know there's a lot here, um, a lot of thought, a lot of prayer went into this. I hope you receive it in the spirit in which it is given. It's given to you from a heart of love that says, trouble. I know. The trouble comes. It doesn't mean that you've done wrong. Now, sometimes trouble comes because we're nitwits, right? We... We do things, we say things, we commit sin, and we, we receive the, the retribution from it. We get what we deserve. And Peter talks about that, by the way. And Peter says, when you suffer for doing bad, so, but when you suffer for doing good, this is commendable before God. That literally is in the Bible. So if you're here today and you would say, that's me, I'm... I'm walking with God, but man, there's just some trials and some troubles that he's sifting me and he's making me more and more like Christ. And, and just pray for me, pray that, that I would just be patient and I would just allow God to do his great work in my life. I'm praying for you, friend. That's awesome. I'm praying that you will not crawl off the altar of sacrifice. You would stay there. Let God have his perfect work. You're going to come out stronger. You're going to come out better. You're, you're going to you're going to come out in a way that you're going to be able to relate to people that you never, ever could have related to before you went through this. Those of you that are just soaring like with the eagles, woohoo, man, I'm happy for you. God bless you. Keep soaring. Some are trotting with the turkeys. I get it. It's, it's just hard. And you, you just, <laughs> hey, we're, we're with you. We're going to support you. We're going to lift you back up into the air so that you can do great things for God again. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for a man named Stephen. Hallelujah. What a guy. Full man. Lord, a full man. Full of faith. Full of grace. Full of wisdom. Full of the Holy Spirit. Full of power. And yet, Lord, you allowed him to go through what he went through. And here we are, 2,000 years later, bragging on him. Thanking God for him. Lord, help us be like that. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. Help us to be strong. You're here today, Great Hills Baptist Church. God bless you. Some of you are listening online, and we welcome you, and many of you listen online every Sunday. God bless you. Many of you here today are like, I'm ready to go the next step. I, I want to be a part of this church. And those core values that you talked about a minute ago, preaching, teaching, the Bible, that's what I want. I recognize that in the shallow culture, the superficial culture in which we live, my family, we need I need as a single adult, we need as a young American, we need as senior adult, we need the word of the living God. You come next week, next Sunday, October the 6th, will be our first class of our Discover Great Hills. You come, listen and learn and pray. Is this where God is leading you and your family? Maybe you're here today and you would say, I just need to take the very first baby step toward the Lord. I'm, I know I need him. I know that my life is empty without him. So we invite you today to receive Christ into your heart. Can I just tell you this? It'll be a wild ride. <laughs> it won't be just full of roses and, and honey and sweetness and spice and everything's nice. No, there will be hard times, but here's the deal. God goes with you. Hallelujah. I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake you. In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Praise God. Lord, we love you. Bless our invitation. Lift, Lord, please, as only you can, lift up the downtrodden soul and bring glory to your name.
and salvation to the lost. For this is my prayer in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you as you stand, as we sing. Sing a song of praise to God, an, an invitation song as you come.